0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to the family, here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Peralino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, DoubleTwist, TuneIn Radio. Thank you always for joining me today. Always appreciate it in what was a very entertaining football game. And <laughs> situation where you thought the Vikings were going to win... But of course, the tease was on, the tease was on, and the Minnesota Vikings end up losing 27-26. to 26. Well, yeah, it was a great football game and everything, but the result was just, I don't know, just the same old, same old type of thing. You get to see the same quarterback with his miracle plays on fourth down. You get him to fourth down, and then magically... There's a completion and it's way down the field. And so it's the greatest play ever. And he's just the greatest quarterback ever. And you just get sick and tired of seeing crap like that. And it's just like the story of our lives. Would have been nice. Maybe would have jolted this team in a better direction moving forward for the rest of the season. But, well, are we just going to tank for Trevor? Might as well at this point. Uh, You're 1-4. and It is what it is. I don't really see a team 1-4 and advancing in any way. Uh, Any type of a playoff run. That's just the way I see it. You're seeing great development from certain players. You're seeing a secondary that played a whale of a game. You're seeing Eric Wilson play an awesome game. (laughs) Eric Hendricks was just unbelievable throughout this one. Kirk Cousins was adequate. You saw your secondary play better. You saw your secondary play significantly better, particularly in the first half. But then it was kind of like Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. Like bleep the third quarter was like the theme for the Timberwolves the last five years or so. 21 points by Seattle. Uh, of course, the stupid-ass uh, interception by Kirk Cousins in that third quarter helped Seattle's momentum continue. But, and then, then the defense was strong again against the Seahawks, and you thought we were going to actually win the game. You saw a couple of good drives, <clears throat> one ending in a field goal, another ending in a touchdown for the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the day. Uh, but then there was the field goal, the one that would have sent us to to victory, never happened. That's just kind of the story of the game at the end of the day. Uh But the Vikings offense, see the whole point of this one is time of possession in this game. I don't know how you lose a game like this. It's just another one of those how the bleep did we lose type of games. Even against the Seahawks, a 4-0 team, you didn't get your 12th man. I don't care about your stinking 12th man. It is what it is. Seattle won the game regardless when it was in TCF Bank Stadium or they had their 12th man in Seattle. It's just the way it is. Uh, but time of possession, it, it's just alarming. This is an urban legend. How the bleep do you lose this game? 39-18 for Minnesota, 20-32 for the Seattle Seahawks. What the, hell, what the hell can you do? It's That's what it is. How the bleep did we lose? That kind of game. I mean, I don't know if I can fit it into the uh, title of the episode. That probably makes sense of what the episode title should be. How the bleep did we lose? Um, I don't know. We just lost because we can't finish a game, and we have a quarterback that can't finish a game. Uh, bottom line, we have a quarterback that doesn't know how to finish a game. You see, and we have a coach that makes decisions that not everybody agrees with. <laughs> I kind of agreed with the aggressiveness of it, but, and we all know what play what, what play it is, fourth and inches. Unlike the Seattle 8. The Seattle 8 fourth and inches would have been a chip shot field goal at the time, put the Vikings up by 8. Which, of course, then would still give Russell Wilson ample time to drive down the field and possibly tie the game with a two-point conversion, possibly. We all know what would have happened anyway. That's the sad part, the magic, because he's the greatest quarterback ever. I'm sick of hearing about it. It's, yeah, I mean, God bless him and everything. Seriously, God bless him. He's a great player, but I hate seeing it, and I hate the, the, you know, (laughs) you see the incompletions, you see our defense play well, and then always magically. Fourth and long, fourth and this, fourth and that, fourth up your you-know-what, and it's the same old crap every single time. Oh, it's a magical play. Oh, you just couldn't tackle him because just magically he got rid of the ball literally like .1 seconds before he was hit. Oh, it's a great play. And oh, Derek Metcalf, DJ Metcalf was just wide open. DK Metcalf, if I ever get my brain right, was magically wide open. Oh, that that's just great. Yeah, it's just, it's just great. Isn't that wonderful? DK Metcalf. Oh, I'm so happy for him. Yeah, he made the catch and 39-yard completion, and that was the beginning of the end. Fourth and ten. You had them stopped, and of course you didn't stop them. And then you have the worst uh, right guard in the NFL, Andrew Samia. You know, I was willing to give him a chance. And you figure, okay, this and that. But now we're seeing why he didn't play the entire season last year, because he can't play.
1: Uh,
0: but at least you saw the Viking secondary improve. You did. And you get to see James Lynch for the first time. and yeah, he did really well, didn't he? Uh, James Lynch the big, the, dare I say, the, the big white defensive tackle, uh, during, in the, the draft, the fourth round pick, good for him, uh, nice to see him come out there and get the sack, that was a nice play, of course, he, he got limited action, but he got the job done, he came out of Baylor, that's what it was, uh, yep, fourth round, 24th pick overall in that fourth round, not overall in the whole draft, of course, uh, just 21 years of age, and I think he's got some kind of a future. I think so. 1999. Man, he's going to turn 22 on January 10th. He's got a future in this league. You saw some strength. He saw some toughness. Good for him, and the Vikings needed help with the way the defensive tackles have been so far this year. A little, uh, a little boost from James Lynch would be nice. As a lot of people think he actually could be a starter in this league as a defensive tackle. So that was encouraging, no doubt about it. And again, I'm just going to keep saying it. Eric Hendricks was absolutely unbelievable in this game. Uh, the running game for Minnesota was was beyond solid against this Seattle defense, which isn't that good. But of course, you couldn't get to play when you needed it, it seemed like. Uh, Adam Thielen made some huge plays. And of course, some of them were throwaways as well. That counted as targets. 13 targets, 9 catches for Adam Thielen. 80 yards. None of them were really deep down the field, obviously. Only a 14-yard long, but two touchdowns in the game. Nice to see Irv Smith getting involved in the offense as he was involved in the plays, and he made a lot of good ones. Four catches for 64 yards overall. Delvin Cook, Alexander Madison, again, showing the versatility. You didn't see Justin Jefferson nearly as much, uh, which is disappointing. The defense was tighter than we've seen in other games. Especially, magically, when you needed it most. It just wasn't there. Uh, The the plays just weren't there as much at times. That's why the score wasn't as high, even though you could run right through these guys. You figured, against this secondary where they've given up like 400 passing yards a game in Seattle, you figured you could get something going. We kind of did and kind of didn't. The running game was honestly more successful in this game. Until it mattered most. Because that's just the story. Of Minnesota sports. I won't just, I won't say it's the story of Minnesota football. It's the story of Minnesota sports. I mean, what else can you say about it? It's just a doggone fact. That's all it really is. It's just an outright fact. It's the story of Minnesota sports. Uh, God, Vikings defense had Russell Wilson contained most of the game and then magically when it mattered, you know, kaboom, kaboom, second half, second, uh, third quarter. And then of course, on the final drive and he had 29 drives to win the game and now it's 30, and I'm just so happy, I just, the most frustrating part of all is when you see his feet moving and it's like, ah, here we go again, of course they're not going to bring us, bring him down it just drives you absolutely nuts, 58 yards carrying for Russell Wilson 19 yard long at the end of the day, he actually led the Seahawks in rushing, which is same old crap, same old crap, DK Metcalf obviously, great wide receiver, and he had a couple touchdowns in the game, and we're super happy for him but again, it's the story of our life Kirk Cousins was, was solid in the game, almost 70%, 249 yards, couple touchdowns. The interception, though, in the second half after the Seahawks had gained momentum when Dalvin Cook pulled up lame, you could see him grabbing on the inside of his leg and you're like, oh boy, it, it, it's a groin, isn't it? it? It's a groin, yeah, and it was. He would return miraculously for a couple plays, but uh, probably precautionary, you don't want to mess with a groin because they're... Uh, and, Boy, I bet somebody could use that as a (laughs) soundbite. That was not intended. But go ahead and do what you want, I guess. I can't can't stop you. Well, I could, but ah, whatever. (laughs) Alexander Alexander Madison, after a couple plays earlier when he was the number two running back, he was, you know, adequate, this and that. But then you're seeing legitimate starter potential from Alexander Madison, which is really cool. Hope he doesn't bolt on the Vikings in a couple years. And his contract is up, that would suck. <laughs> but you, you never know, he might. Not because he's a spectacular superstar running back, but because he's a legitimate starting running back. Uh, the run protection was pretty good, particularly on the left side of the line. Particularly on the left side. Yeah, uh, particularly on the left side. It um, seemed like the right side, he just had the most inopportune times holding. And those are just drive killers. Uh, Brian O'Neill had a holding call when the Vikings had a first down. And it's just, it just kills drives. It always does. It always kills drives. It's stuff like that that lead to losses in situations. Golden opportunities that just go down the you-know-what. Drusamia had th- four penalties overall holding, and three of them were actually accepted. Uh, the guy can't play. And when you need it in most, of course. I'm not sure. It's one thing about going for it on fourth and inches when maybe you could just dive forward. It's another when you elect to go to the right side with Alexander Madison. With Drew Samia playing as awful as he was, he had a couple of decent plays in the game. But generally speaking, he was awful. Generally speaking, because there were just too many situations where the blocks weren't there. Uh, it was a cool pl- It was a cool moment where he picked up a safety. That was awesome. Uh, that was awesome. Picked up the safety blitz. That kind of was a, a lifesaver there and helped the Vikings make a play. Make Kirk Cousins uh, do one of his rollout type of plays. But at the end of the day. You know, at the end of the day, it was the same old story. Same old story. Uh, When you need him most, it just never seems to happen. Uh, Chad Beebe as a punt returner, I just don't see it. I mean, I don't see it. I remember last year he fumbled on it, and then you never really saw him again after the injury. Because that's Chad Beebe most of the time. He's not a good punt returner. I I just don't see it. Um, (laughs) Marcus Sherrill's definitely lost his touch in his last couple of years with Minnesota, and then he came back last year and was... Barely visible. It was nice to see him again, but again, there was no threat of him making any type of a run, making any type of a gain. Uh, an actual return as a punt returner. I don't see anything out of Chad Beebe. I mean, that's just like, are we that desperate that we have to have Chad Beebe as a punt returner? I guess. Uh, well, no touchbacks for Britton Colquitt. He only punted twice, which again shows you how long the Vikings had the ball in the game, and how successful the offense was, generally speaking. It wasn't dazzling, but... It was time-consuming. It was the kind of defense that can wear out an offense. Or, excuse me, the kind of offense that can wear out a defense. That would make a lot more sense. <laughs> and it was a very respectable game offensively. Some of the play calls were the same old story. Like, third and 15 we we're going to hand the ball off. Yay. on um, one of the plays, I think it was Mike Boone, got like 13 of the yards. That was pretty cool. Or was it Madison? I don't even, you know. <laughs> it doesn't even... At this point, I don't care anymore in that situation, but a 13-yard gain, and so it was kind of funny how we would have had a first down if it was 3rd and 10, <clears throat> but of course it wasn't. Those kind of plays always drive you crazy, but again, that was after another stinking, stupid holding call, and that was just kind of the way this game was at the end of the day. Well played, but then when it came down to it, they just didn't play like winners when it mattered most. Uh, Ngakwe, another sack, very, very happy. Loved the pressures on Russell Wilson throughout this game, Eric Wilson again, also big sack, had a huge play the interception was absolutely great, he dropped back into coverage and just took it away absolutely wonderful, Eric Wilson, six total tackles in the game with the interception as well, a pass deflection to add to things, uh, Mike Hughes had a huge pass deflection in the end zone but unfortunately uh, the play just wasn't there the uh, final play, again, fourth and it was fourth and goal, and of course again, magically it works this time, when it looked like we might win this sucker of course you didn't make the stop. Of course you didn't make the stop. Uh, it looked like the ball was dropped. Anthony Harris just could not get there in time. And Metcalf again did bring it in. It looked like the ball was dropped and we won the game. And of course it wasn't. Miraculously. Yeah, miraculously. And then you get your fifteen seconds remaining. Woohoo, isn't this great? You complete a couple of passes, and then then there's a fumble. To me, it looked like Kirk Cousins was in the motion of of throwing the ball forward, but of course the the officials did not see it that way, and they did not reverse the call, and that's just all it was. And it was just disgusting and frustrating. What the hell can you do? As, uh... (laughs) Our favorite coach, uh, Jerry Burns, would say, what the hell can you do? I'm not really sure what the hell you can do. Again, as you probably expect, this show is being recorded and released on a Monday, so because... Just don't have time to do the show that late. I'd like to do it, but it just is what it is. My wife needed to sleep and this and that, so I got to kind of work with her schedule and my own. And it's raining in the morning, so I'm getting started on it <laughs> at this moment, and I'll have this thing released by tonight. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Mm, mm, mm. Nice improvement, though. The Viking secondary was strong. Again, couldn't make the stop, so they needed to. It's just, that, that's the frustrating part. You're going against a Hall of Fame quarterback, and I know he's the greatest thing that ever lived. The greatest thing since sliced bread, or whatever the heck else invention you want to think about. <sighs> Great effort by the defense. Again, loved what Eric Hendricks did. Eight total tackles, and it just he was just in the mix all the time throughout the day. They weren't just tackles. They were legitimate plays where it was a legitimate stopping type of play. It wasn't just like, "Oh, well, he made the tackle after a 15-yard gain. Woohoo! No, they were legitimate plays. Cameron Dancer, very strong. I, I thought, generally speaking, not, you know, he's not a rising star yet. Neither is Jeff Gladney, but they, they're a little bit better each week, i got to think. And you notice somebody was, <clears throat> pardon the uh, use of uh, the same word again, you notice who was noticeably missing in this game. That would be Holden Hill, and I think that made a huge difference at the end of the day. I think these are your cornerbacks, Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dancer, and Mike Hughes more action from Mike Hughes. Sometimes it seemed like he wasn't there, or obviously Gladney or Dancer wouldn't be there, and Dancer missed a couple of games. His uh, PFF pro football focus rating, Cameron Dancer, that is, was the highest of the group. The highest. Uh, so that's also very encouraging. He was the lowest draft pick of the group. Well, Of course, Holden Hill. And Holden Hill was the worst by a mile. Uh, he's in the hundreds, basically, of cornerbacks in the NFL. In the hundreds ranked. Yeah, so far on the season, that's how bad he's been. Dantzler is respectable, at least in the in the middle in the mediocre range, and that was before this game. Four tackles—that of course means the guy made the catch. Whoever the guy was, he made the catch. Gladney only three tackles, and Mike Hughes only one. Mike Hughes very strong in the game, I'd have to say. Not spectacular, but strong. Gladney and Dantzler, though, I think they have a future in the league, and that's the hope. Oh, it's just too bad. A day late, short, a dollar short, a second late a millisecond, a point, a half a second, a millisecond, nanosecond, whatever the hell, late with Anthony Harris on the DK Metcalf play, and a dollar short. It's just, it's the most wonderful thing you ever heard, the most wonderful thing you ever saw. Not. Um, Again, Enigmo also got a sack in the game. In case you care. No, I care. And it was nice. It's nice to see Russell Wilson actually get sacked once in a while, because it feels like we never get to him when we need (coughs) to. The pressure on Russell Wilson in the game was great, but again, the finish, just the finish of the game, it leaves you with a very sour taste in your mouth. Was it, would it have just been a waste anyway? Like, yay, we're 2-3 and three now, and we, we beat one of the best teams in the league, but we're still going to wind up finishing 6-10, and 7-9, and, and we're going to get a mediocre uh, draft pick, who still might end up being a damn good one anyway, but you never know. Uh, or should we just continue our... Are uh, dropped to four and twelve, three and thirteen, two and fourteen. I don't think we're going to be two and fourteen. I doubt it, but you never know. Uh, you never know what tomorrow is going to going to hold. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Dalvin Cook with the groin injury. Not sure where to go with that one. Unfortunately, he looked okay, but we all know we all know with those groin injuries, it'd be, it'd be best if it wasn't hampering him the whole season. We also know that uh, Alexander Madison and Mike Boone, has got that quickness and that power. Love Mike Boone. Love him. Uh, We do know we could go into next week with these two guys and uh, probably should be okay, God willing, if it means Delvin Cook sits out one week and see what happens after that. Other people would say maybe let Delvin Cook and uh, Daniel Hunter just sit out the rest of the year. Hell with it, because we're tanking for Trevor or tanking for, or uh, uh, I don't know what it would rhyme with Shields, but uh, sucking for Shields, I don't know. That doesn't rhyme real well. who knows (laughs) shambles for shields I guess we're in shambles for shields yeah that's a start it's a it's a start (sighs) just makes you sick though can't you just make the 4th down stop when it matters can't you just make the 4th down stop when it matters even if you figure it might be a a, a wash of a season and who gives a rat's ass anymore still it's still frustrating it's still annoying when oh my god we might beat the Seahawks because I'm sick and tired of seeing Russell Wilson completing these miracle plays, and he's the greatest thing at us uh, since sliced bread. It's easy to get sick of it, isn't it? Oh, ha- half of you are probably like, oh, he's so amazing, you know. But I get tired of it, especially against us. It, it gets really old after a while, actually. So please don't uh, hate me too much for saying that. Please don't. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those kind of games. <laughs> It's just it's just another one. Like, how the bleep did we not win this game? Uh, how the bleep do you not win? I'm not sure. Kind of like the Packer game. How the bleep did we not win that with all the stats and this and that? Yeah, we just didn't. That's all. <laughs> we just didn't. Um, no, we got dissected in that one. <laughs> how the bleep do you not win against the Packers? No, it was the Colts game at the end of the day. And the uh, insane frustrations of this season that uh, leave you... At a loss? And you don't really have a whole lot else to say at that point. <laughs> it was nice to see that the uh again, nice to see the secondary showing signs. Yeah, it seems like they're getting a little bit better each week. Continued comparisons through this one. Even though it can drive you crazy. Brushes for first down, rushing yards, third down efficiency, six of fourteen wasn't that good. But Seattle was 0 of 7. So 0 of 7. Do you realize that? See, but then again, we just couldn't stop them on fourth, see. We stopped him on 3rd, but couldn't stop him on 4th, see? You know, that that's all. That's all. Uh, 31 first downs to 18. Mmm. You know, can you can you believe that? Yards per pass, about 6 for Minnesota, 5.3 for Seattle. Eh, whatever. <sighs> you know, Seattle only punted 5 times, right? And it still wasn't enough for us to get something going in the right direction. The, the 6 penalties, of course, came back to haunt you. Uh... Drew Samia on his own tied Seattle's three penalties. Of course, Seattle never gets penalties called on them unless it's really egregious. One of them, held up the helmet. Screw that guy. Screw that Flowers. Didn't like that one, but I'm glad that he got punished for that. That's the good part. But, hmm. And of course, the game that was the true how the bleep did we not win was the Titans game. I don't know why I said Coles. That just came out wrong. So, my apologies for that silly uh, deal there. But, man... You know, again, it's another game where we dominated for a long, long time, but didn't dominate when it mattered most. The Seahawks dominated when it mattered most. I think you get the point. I think you do. And, of course, again, Kirk Cousins with 15 seconds and this amount of time and this field position. and it, Yeah, it's just not going to happen. It, that's the problem. That's why you want to tank for Trevor or, or uh, be in shambles for Shields, whatever the heck you want to say. That's why. That's why. And it's plays like... The one where Cousins tried to force it to Jefferson. Yes, it was a great play by the Seattle defender, but I don't care. Eventually, you you don't want to give credit to Seattle. You just want to say that was a bleeping bullcrap play. Another stupid interception where he just kind of sailed the ball up rather than put a little extra mustard on it so it gets past the Seattle defender and gets to Jefferson. Because Jefferson catches that. Who knows? I mean, he might have been gone. I mean, that could have been a big play. But it wasn't meant to be, like many other things. Many, many other things. It's funny how Seattle actually didn't use Chris Carson that much, but I suppose they were trailing most of the game. He was actually pretty tough. Vikings run defense sometimes is good, but generally speaking, it's not been good during the course of the season. Fran Tarkington Award for this game, it's going to go to <clears throat> It's going go to to go two people. Eric Hendricks and Alexander Madison are going to bring it in. I tend to go defense and offense lately, but uh, because... Alexander Madison, of course, would have been nice if he could have gotten the first down. But, of course, again, the controversial play. Fourth and inches on the Seattle 8, and you you elect to run rather than going up by 8. I understand the fear because you figure Russell Wilson's going to march down the field and and then they're going to get their two-point conversion, this and that, because they're still talking two minutes or so. Well, about a minute and a half and a timeout. That's way too much time for Russell Wilson. Just like we used to say, too much time for Teddy. Yeah, well, Teddy's a lot more threatening than Kirk Bleep and Cousins, that's for sure. I understand the fear there, especially when it's just inches and you figure our offense has been just fine against this team, particularly the run offense has been very solid throughout the game. You know, just dive forward something. I mean, it, it can happen. It can It can happen. I mean, just force your way forward a couple inches, but you like to get cute and kind of run to the side, run to the right, where Drew Samir has been awful, and he did not get the block that he needed to. And Alexander Madison got stopped. That was the one play where obviously you're like, oh, Alexander Madison didn't get it. But of course, it was the blocking and the play call, generally speaking, that uh, did not get the job done. I don't blame Mike Zimmer for going for fourth and inches. I know more than half of you are, and you hate it, and you want to see him get fired. Fourth and inches isn't that hard. And of course, you saw what Russell Wilson did. They did not complete their two-point conversion in that play, but you know if they needed it, they magically would have. That's just, that's just Seattle, and you know what would have happened in overtime. Unless Kirk Cousins does his miracle run down the field like he did against Seattle, I don't have a whole lot of confidence with Cousins and OT. Do you? Do you really have Seattle with? Do you really have confidence in Seattle with Kirk Cousins? Not, not really. And of course, magically, the Seahawks would probably get it, and then down the field they go. So, if we could have scored a touchdown, we or the Minnesota Vikings might be more appropriate. Could have scored the touchdown on the play. That would have been, uh, I think, a little better. The Christian Potter Memorial should be obvious. It's Drew Samia and just that play call in general. But Drew Samia is the. Uh, <laughs> he's taking over for Holden Neal. Holden Neal, you're off the hook. Big time. And he obviously didn't even see snaps in this one because they'd had enough, I'm sure. Uh, well, I think it's time they had enough of Drew Samia next. You know, stop the bleeding with Holden Neal. Now it's time to stop the bleeding with Drew Samia. Uh, as bad as Pet Elfline has been. And it's too bad because he was such a good rookie. And then that bleeping injury. Against in the Philadelphia NFC Championship game. He's never been the same since. It's just devastating and sad. I, I wish, I really so wish that wasn't the case. Pat Offline was so strong during the course of that season as this Minnesota Vikings center. And again, he was guard in college, so, I mean, I don't know. He just can't handle it, I guess, anymore. But he's still better than Drew me at this point, pretty much. So that is your Christian Ponder Memorial, Fran Targerton. Eric Hendricks and Alexander Madison, big time. With that, we'll take a quick break and get into the big old run, uh, the, the old roundup. NFC North, there isn't a whole, much, uh, whole lot to say, generally speaking, with the NFC North other than Detroit. So, with that, we'll get to the NFL roundup and, of course, talk about the Atlanta Falcons game coming up. Purple Mafia segment number two, gonna look around the league a bit and of course preview the Atlanta Falcons and look at the history between the two clubs. This and that. They're not a very exciting team, obviously. Monday night football Chargers versus New Orleans Hornets, New Orleans Pelicans, New Orleans freaking Saints, whatever they are. We're happy for them. They're two and two. The Chargers are one and three. Of course, Vikings lost Monday night, blah blah blah. Isn't that or Sunday night? Isn't that just great? The Los Angeles Rams beat the Washington Golden Gophers, the uh, upside-down Golden M. Yeah, it's a W, but okay, I'll stop. Washington drops to 1-4. and four. The Rams jump to 4-1. and one. That's all I got to say. No, 30-10 to 10. at the end of the day. The Rams getting things going again. We're happy for them, I guess. Jared Goff, solid game. He's able to run in a touchdown during the course of time. Cam Akers rushing for 61 yards, but on a 46-yard scamper along the way so running game not working that great for the la rams but it was enough i suppose against a washington team that's just not a whole lot going on nice to see alex smith return for a couple minutes then you saw kyle allen and there's just nothing there there's just no energy in washington right now they could use adrian peterson i guess right that's it uh that's about it boy they look lifeless they look absolutely lifeless there's another uh there's dustin hopkins making a 48-yard kick, and I guess that's kind of the story of football. Bad teams usually have good kickers, and some of the good teams don't. Some of them have legendary kickers, and yeah, that's about it. A Troy Reader had three sacks on the uh, Washington quarterbacks as, uh, at the end of the day. Nice. Again, nice to see Alex Smith come back, but what a lost cause Washington is right now. Uh, crying shame there. Alex Smith going down pretty hard there with the sack. That's just how that goes. They just, like, climbed all over him. I don't know. That didn't look too good. Not really. But, well, the Rams get the victory at the end of the day, and that's just all there is to say. Apologize about this also. Thursday night, you got to see the Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, we'll wait for that one. There's the Bears. Detroit didn't play. Green Bay didn't play because they're on their buys. Vikings buy will come up after the Atlanta game, interestingly enough. So, again, Bears game will come up later against Tampa. Interesting one there and Carolina Atlanta will wait on that as well cuz that's next week's opponent. We get to play against Teddy Bridgewater this year also, that's going to be interesting. Las Vegas Raiders beat the Kansas City Chiefs, very cool in the uh, in the AFC West. AFC West great great uh, you know, rivalry for many years with Kansas City, Las Vegas, Kansas City, Denver, Denver, Las Vegas slash, you know, the Oakland or LA Raiders, whatever you want to call them. Just the Raiders, generally speaking, and the Chargers—very, very fun division. Many, many rivalries, especially with those three old-school clubs. But a bit of a back and forth. with the Raiders' defense a little bit too much for Patrick Mahomes. He had a major—he uh, had an interception late in the game, which ended up really costing the Chiefs. And that was a, a nice feeling, or uh, in a big way, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs a big-time goal-line threat. Just consistent, just a consistent solid guy in this game. As the run defense for Kansas City very strong, generally speaking, except against Devante Booker, 43-yard scamper for him along the way. But generally speaking, there wasn't a whole lot to gain. Uh, again, only seven yards long for Josh Jacobs, and managed 3.3 yards a carry. But well, <laughs> if you average that out, he'd eventually get a first down, I suppose, most of the time. <laughs> Henry Ruggs the third coming on the scene with only three catches, but a 72-yard touchdown. Nelson Aguilar, also a big play. Darren Waller. Darren Waller with a touchdown as well. Nice to see Derek Carr have a nice, strong performance. Jason Witten, the former Cowboy, who's ancient history showing up for at least a couple catches for only six yards. Very short check down type plays. Daniel Carlson continuing to be generally good, but he missed an extra point in the game. That's kind of weird. And that kind of figures, I guess, for him. Only one stack on Mr... Oh, no, there's the interception, pardon me. Jeff Heath there, 47-yard return, which was a big-time play on Mr. Patrick Mahomes. couple of sacks. Three total, Max Crosby, Chris Smith, and now, no, Nevin Larson. Big-time plays that helped frustrate Kansas City enough. Kept them to 32 points. He kept the Chiefs to 32 points, and this was in Arrowhead Stadium with the few fans they're able to have, of course, because some some laws let you have some fans in certain stadiums. It is what it is. Uh, but... Mahomes and uh, homes struggled a little bit against the Raiders, and nice to see Oakland slash, let's just call them Las Vegas, <laughs> get the job done, and there you go. 40-32. to Very exciting back-and-forth game, actually. Very, very, very nice game. Arizona and New York Jets. The Jets are probably the worst team in the league right now. They're 0-5, and, I don't know, they're terrible. They're taking for Trevor, I guess, even though they have a quarterback, or they think they do. They thought they had an offensive genius for a coach that would help their quarterback, and I guess not. I guess it's just not going to happen for the uh, New York Jets at this moment. It's just not going to happen. and 5 They lose 30-10 to to the Arizona Cardinals. Or no, 3-2. and Kyler Murray keeping things rolling for the most part. For the most part, good quarterback rating and everything. Not big touchdown numbers, this and that, but 380 yards. A good overall game. DeAndre Hopkins, 131 yards in the air. Gotta love what he's bringing to... The Arizona Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald, thirty-five yards on four catches. Basically, the Chris Carter role there for the uh, Arizona Cardinals at the moment. Dennis Gardeck, notable there. A couple, uh, both of his tackles were sacks on Mr. Darnold. So definitely nice, strong performance there. Hall of Fame running back, watch Frank Gore, thirty yards on the ground. So good for him. We won't be seeing Adrian Peterson this week, even though we played, even though we saw Washington, but no, yeah, wrong team. Joe Flacco was the quarterback in this game. Of course, no no, Darnold. Le- Le'Veon Bell got 60 yards on the ground. Again, just a waste of time there going to the New York Jets. Frank Gore kind of is what it is. He has to get a job somewhere. Jamison Crowder, very nice game, but in a losing awful, but in a losing effort, an awful situation. Definitely talented players on the roster and legendary names when you come to Frank Gore, but Unfortunately, the uh, the Jets just continue to stink. They're looking to get the number one pick in the draft, possibly. Pittsburgh Steelers are four and I I didn't see this happening at all. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are just a weird team. They had a nice win last week, but they follow it up with a thirty eight to thirty nine loss in the Penn Bowl, thirty eight to twenty nine. Hope I said that correctly in the Penn Bowl, the Pennsylvania Bowl, Pittsburgh versus Philly in Pittsburgh Heinz Field. That's an ad. All nine fans in attendance. No, I'm kidding. Four or nothing or four and o. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, looking uh, looking a little younger and a little better. Uh, he's just been very efficient, very efficient, looking healthy, and it's nice to see. Even though I don't like the Steelers at all, it's very nice to see Carson Wentz back to being a mediocre quarterback. Jalen Hurts had an 18-yard play, and we're happy for him there, because they'd like to get cute there in Philadelphia, and it's the getting cute is not really helping them get anywhere. 2 touchdowns, 2 interceptions for Wentz. Roethlisberger, 3 touchdowns, no interceptions. Quarterback rating, 125. Just super efficient. Not major yardage for Ben Roethlisberger, but him and uh, Chase Claypool hooking up on seven plays. 110 yards, 3 touchdowns for Claypool. That's fantasy. (laughs) That's a fantasy phenom right there when you get 3 touchdowns in one game for a wide receiver. God, I love that if you're lucky enough to have him. Pitcher Steelers defense solid enough Stephen T- Stephon to it with a sack and a half. Sack and a half, a number of sacks. of Carson Wentz, generally speaking, and then not a whole lot of pressure from the Philadelphia defense. They did combine. Uh, Fletcher Cox, and Javon Hargrave did combine for a sack in the game. And then Dustin Cole quit. Dustin Cole quit did get one in the twenty, so to speak, as a punter. Nice to see the Cole quits kicking some butt, just like they always like to do. But uh, good on Pittsburgh. They're 4-0. Watch out. Watch out for Pittsburgh. I already talked about the Rams. I don't know. I must have jumped ahead a little bit in the the line here. It doesn't matter. Baltimore over Cincinnati. Who boy. Mm, yeah. It's And Lamar Jackson wasn't even that good at this game, but uh, neither was Joe Burrow. Kind of a black and blue type of game, I guess you could say, generally speaking. Joe Mixon ran for 59 yards, only a 7-yard long against the Baltimore defense. Ooh, yikes, 27-3, to 3. just an awful game for Cincinnati. Yeah, it's, I guess this was kind of Arizona in parts of the last year, you know, with the number one pick and Kyler Murray, and I guess uh, Cincinnati's going to have some more growing pains, and they're going to need to add some more players. Even though they have A.J. Green, he's kind of, you know, not really a factor like he used to every... be. It is what it is. It is what it is. Maybe they'll get the DeAndre Hopkins' type of trade, and then uh, here come the Cincinnati Bengals. Ah, Philadelphia. Ooh, excuse me, I just called them Philadelphia, but Baltimore, another East Coast team with a lot of attitude, so to speak. Oh my, seven sacks in the game. Seven sacks for the Baltimore Ravens. Very, very impressive. Nobody had multiple sacks. It's mostly uh, Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, Pernell Par- McPhee. <laughs> gotta like that one. Uh, Chuck Clark. That's right, Chuck Clark. Yes, Chuck Clark. Uh huh. Deshaun Elliott and Patrick Queen with the seven sacks against Mr. Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. Just well, they're one three and one. They were part of that crappy Philadelphia tie a few weeks back and I don't know, they're not getting to any postseason. Remember Baltimore lost recently. They're four and one, but still having <laughs> one. Houston won their first game with uh, Romeo Cronell as coach. Of course I didn't even talk about Bill O'Brien getting fired because he hadn't getting gotten fired until you know, know, after the game. It was the next day. Uh, Phil Mackey called it. He said, Bill Bryant's going to get fired tomorrow. Yeah, and he did. So good call, I guess. Garter Minshew, the uh, <laughs> Confederate general there with 300 yards in the air. No turnovers. Good for him in that sense. Of course, he did fumble the ball, so I'm wrong. He did get a fumble down the stretch. Deshaun Watson, couple interceptions in the game, but still managed to throw for 360 yards. David Johnson actually very strong on the ground. 96 yards, almost six yards a carry. Brandon Cooks with a 161-yard effort. Will Fuller with 58, but Brandon Cooks definitely standing out, along with Deshaun Watson, except for the crappy interceptions, you could say. But uh, Houston finally wins a game, and they win one for Romeo. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? That's basically what they were saying in terms of uh, we would rather have Romeo Cornell than uh, Bill O'Brien. I guess that's just all we got to say about that. Congratulations, Houston, on winning a game, and thank you for tying the Vikings. Well, I guess we have the tiebreaker. So Houston would still get the number one pick if it was Houston and Minnesota. So that sucks. Damn it. Damn it. I want to be the worst team, right? (laughs) Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. No, it's depressing. But hey, if you can get the number one pick in the draft, number three pick in the draft. All right. Well, you're going to get a hell of a player or at least you better. You know, you better. if You pick a bust. Oh, boy. Talk about busts. What's going on with the 49ers? Now, it's one thing if Nick Mullins is your quarterback, but you get Jimmy G back, and yeah, okay. Well, you lost to the Dolphins at home, 43-17. to 43-17. What the hell is this crap? Miami would have the tiebreaker over San Francisco because they're both 2-3. and three. Yeah, 43-17. Dolphins over the 49ers. The Super Bowl that we always wish we got to see. It was the 84 Super Bowl, but it was garbage. You were hoping for a better one, Montana versus Marino at some point, or Steve Young versus Marino in the, in the uh, early 90s. It never happened. The Super Bowl that never happened. Ryan magic was was magical. Virtually a perfect game for him. 350 yards in the air, sacked only twice, 154.5 quarterback rating. Doesn't get a whole hell of a lot better than that. Jimmy G was awful. Just awful. A ah, couple of interceptions, and you get to see CJ Bethard again. You got to see CJ Bethard, baby. CJ bleeping Bethard. He threw for a touchdown. And 94 yards, Rasheem Mostert, who tore the Vikings up last year, I mean, just shredded us. 82 yards, or excuse me, 8.2 yards a carry, but they were trailing the whole game, so it didn't matter for a whole hell of a lot. I don't know, Ryan magic winning meaningless games for the uh, Dolphins, though beating San Francisco in San Francisco is awfully impressive. And the sacks and the pressure by that Miami defense makes you think that Dave Wanstead's still the coach of the Dolphins. Five t- stacks in the game. For Miami, that's a good number. It's not a spectacular number, but it's pretty good. And well, it made San Francisco look like garbage. Again, looks like Dave is the coach again where they might win that division. The last division champion basically before the New England Patriots started winning divisions like it was like it was like breathing oxygen. Like, yeah, yeah, they won the division. They won the division. They won the division. They won the division. Okay, you get the idea. That's how New England Patriots win the division. You just breathe and they won the division. But Miami was the last team pretty much back in 2000. Dave Weinstead, baby. And it was a pretty good defense back then. Frustrated the Vikings, that's for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, multiple times along the way. Uh, Though the Vikings did win against Miami in the season opener. Culpepper with three rushing touchdowns against that tough defense. Because Culpepper was the best goal line threat in the NFL in his day. Because he's a quarterback. And he was a threat to pass. But he's got all that power to barrel through the middle, dive right through. And he did a good job. How about the Cleveland Browns? Vinrock Vince Germano. Yesterday was a good day for Vince Germano out of Australia. Vinrock 44 <laughs> out there in Australia. Friend of this show. Major friend of Tim Roll's explosion. And one of my best friends on the planet in Australia there. What a great day it was. Cleveland Browns went 32-23 to 23 against a very tough uh, Indianapolis Colts team who was surprising a lot of people this year. I'd say they're the surprise in the AFC. But maybe it's Cleveland. Maybe it is even though they have a ton of talent, then they're finally showing it. 32-23, 4-1. Oh, and by the way, the Los Angeles Lakers won their 17th championship, and that's the 6th championship Vince Germano has seen, I believe, because he didn't get to see Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even though he would have been old enough in the 80s to have seen it. They just didn't have it available there in Australia, unfortunately, which is a bummer. Well, they had it the last uh, 6 championships, the Shaq and Kobe era, the uh, Kobe and uh, Paul Gasol era, now the... Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis era. And oh, don't forget Rajon Rondo, too. He got to be the first guy to touch the trophy. That was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Where was LeBron and Anthony Davis? It's, they just let, Rajon, and of course, the, the trophy wasn't presented or anything either. It was on the, you know, plaque or whatever. They presented the Stanley Cup, didn't they? Oh, I I guess not. I guess they did grab it when the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Cup, but uh, good day for Vince Germano. Just, just one of the, just another day at the office, you know, another Lakers championship. Okay, their last one was 10 years ago, to be fair, which not a whole lot of people miss watching the Lakers win championships, myself included. I'm sorry, Vince, I had to say it, but that was a fun team. The Lakers were a fun team, and I'm glad they were able to get it. I'm glad they are able to re-get uh, you know, get things rolling again so they could finish the season, because I thought that would have been an opportunity of a lifetime for that Laker team to get another championship, and especially LeBron James getting his fourth, regardless of how I feel about some of the <laughs> rhetoric he spews at times. I don't have to like it. Nobody does. <clears throat> but God bless him anyway. Uh, 4-1 and Cleveland Browns, third place. That's how tough a division the AFC North has become because you got Baltimore and Pittsburgh's 4-0. What the hell? It's tough, very tough, and their loss was to the Baltimore Ravens. That was their only loss, and it was a nasty loss for the Cleveland Browns. But they just, the way they tore up that Dallas team, yep, and we'll have a little bit to say about Dallas coming up too. Yeah, but it's coming up kind of a sad, sad event there. I think most of you know what that was. Philip Rivers was back to being a crappy Philip Rivers. A couple of interceptions, even though he got the yardage. A couple of interceptions. Baker Mayfield wasn't that great either, but Odell Beckham Jr. with a big-time play. Well, not a big-time play, but an 18-yard play. Not quite the spectacular 40-plus-yard touchdown play he had uh, on a pass from his best friend. No, I don't know if it's his best friend, but his close friend Jarvis Landry. Great play to Odell Beckham into the end zone. Last week in that uh, insanely impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys last week, Cleveland four and one. It's it's tough though. They got a tough division here. Oh man, Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh starting to be like Pittsburgh again, kind of, uh, maybe a different form of it. And Baltimore is very dangerous, and they certainly showed it. They made Cincinnati look like crap, but uh, very impressive overall win for Cleveland yet again. Kareem Hunt again, the former chief who got in trouble, but a valuable, valuable guy. There are pieces all over this Cleveland Browns team, offense and defense. There are pieces, including Andrew Sandejo. I mean, he is just awesome, right? No, I didn't, I don't know, he's okay. He was underrated with Minnesota. Miles Garrett was the only sack in the game for the Cleveland Browns, but he's like a superstar, obviously, defensively, one of the top picks in the draft there. Um, A very impressive Cleveland team right now, and congratulations to Vince Germano, championship number 17, now let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys where we talk about Chicago and the Atlanta Falcons coming up. Those games there. Dallas manages to get the win. The Giants had hope, though, because Dak Prescott had one of the nastier ankle injuries we've seen in a while. Running the running with the ball and, you know, you get tackled from behind and your ankle gets caught and, yeah, just fill in the blank there. That looked really sad. I'm not the biggest Dak Prescott fan ever, but he puts up numbers and he, he's a good guy and all that and everybody loves him in, in Dallas and it was sad to see. Um, you don't like to see anybody get hurt like that, and it was bad. And there's no way he's coming back this year. There's there's no way, and the Cowboys are one and four too. So Mike McCarthy not off to a good start. Nope, they're two and three. I, I don't know why I'm thinking they lost. They're two and three. It was the Giants after all. They're competing with the Jets, their New Jersey era area uh, neighbor there for the number one pick in the draft. We all know how leagues like to give New York teams number one picks in the draft, like the Knicks with Patrick Ewing. Okay, that was like 35 years ago. I think it's time to get over that one. The New York bleeping Rangers were the number two pick last year, Capo Caco, and now they get uh, Lafayette uh, for the freaking uh, New York Rangers. Isn't that just great? Number two pick last year, and then Lafayette this year. Uh, at least he's not Lemieux Regretzky, but he's he's he's, he's going to be good. At least a Patrick Kane type, maybe. Maybe for the New York uh, Rangers. <laughs> I'll get over it. Maybe you'll get to see a Trevor in New York or New York, New York, <laughs> maybe New Jersey, East Rutherford, New Jersey. But New York Jets or New York Giants, we'll see. But they got Daniel Jones and you know Sam Darnold and uh, Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. So you know, screw that, right? You you can't do that. You got to go with a different guy. You know, yeah, not necessarily. Nice game in terms of the points, this and that, but. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was sad to see what happened. And, well, you see why the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton. He played well. He played well, completing a big pass down the stretch. Deep pass that ended up making uh, things look uh, quite different when it looked like the Giants might actually win the game. Huge play by Gallup. 38-yard catch. Big, big play. It was a great throw and an even better catch by Michael Gallup. And it set up, eventually, the game-winning field goal from their buddy Zerline there. Greg Zerline, we've heard that name a million times. He's now on the Cowboys they end up winning 37 34 and god bless dak prescott and yeah boy god bless dak prescott in the few in his future endeavors here hopefully he can uh get better soon and boy i you know the new york Gi- giants are just like whatever we can't beat anybody uh you get to see the look on the coach's face like it doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> 0-5 yuck chicago bears are 4-1 what the hell Yep, yeah, they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you got to see uh, Tom Brady literally flipping out on the sidelines multiple times in this game. They're still in first place in the NFC South because the Saints aren't claiming anything over there either. A couple of 40-year-old legendary quarterbacks leading their clubs and struggling a bit. Brady wasn't necessarily bad, but he wasn't necessarily good either. It was a weird, weird situation in this game as well. A major misread that made Brady look bad. Made Brady look very bad, but it is what it is. Ronald Jones 160 yards on the ground, very solid, solid effort for Tampa, but they could not get the job done. Foles made the plays when he needed to, even though there was nothing spectacular about him or anybody else. Cordell Patterson actually had 38 yards receiving in the game, good for him, including a 25-yard play. Nothing deep, nothing crazy for the Bears. Kind of a boring, boring offense, generally speaking, right now. Khalil Mack with two sacks though, on the the legendary Tom Brady. And a guy like that is going to make the difference for you. Absolutely, uh, Tampa Bay just not able to get the job done. Twenty to nineteen. Congratulations to the Bears. They're four and one, but Green Bay's still four and zero. Oh. And we'll get to see them next week and see what happens uh, with the Packers. They'll be coming up in, re- in week eight with Minnesota, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because week seven we're on the bye. Week six we get the Atlanta Falcons, who played the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. So there you go, twenty-three to sixteen. loss. the Atlanta Falcons are now zero and five. Hopefully they don't fire Dan Quinn yet, so we can. No, okay, maybe they, maybe we do hope they do. So maybe we can pass Atlanta. Uh, so Atlanta can uh, can pass us, get a get a win, be one and five, and pass us in the tiebreaker for that number one pick. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> when it's a season like this, you want a high draft pick, don't you? Because it's like it's you really want to be six and ten. Is that exciting? Does it make you feel better? You feel better for about five minutes, and then it's like, uh you know? you Think about who we might miss out on in the draft, but I don't know. That's Minnesota sports one way or another. Matt Ryan, there's just no energy left. Not that Carolina's defense is bad or anything, because they were okay, obviously. They did a good job. They only sacked him twice, but really, really relegated him to almost useless status. Todd Gurley, excellent on the ground. 121 yards. He kind of got things rolling again. Nice to see him improving. And again, Brian Hill, he's been the... Uh, He's been the Madison for the Atlanta Falcons. He was invisible his first two seasons. Now he's looking good. 39 yards and only six carries. That's, that's Brian Hill almost every week. Really strong numbers, actually, in limited action. But uh, it'll be nice to see Brian Hill play against the Vikings for the first time. It'll be cool. Uh, Matt Ryan has had some great games against the Vikings. Some frustrating days for us. But then we've had some good games against the Falcons lately. Calvin Ridley, 136 yards in the air on eight catches. And you're not seeing any signs of Julio Jones. He did not play yesterday. We'll see what happens with the uh, Falcons and Julio Jones coming up. Matt Ryan, obviously, again, has had some great games. Let's look at Vikings versus Falcons history. The Minnesota Vikings lead 20, uh, lead the series 20-11-0 right now. That's our record against the Falcons, so I'll just reverse it for, Minnesota, for Atlanta versus Minnesota. But the biggest one of all, who won the game? That's the problem. It's always the big one. Like, we kicked the Saints' ass in the playoffs historically. Just kicked their ass. In fact, our only loss to the New Orleans Saints in the postseason was what game? Was what game? Anyone out there? Yeah, yeah, the 2009 NFC Championship game. And the 1998 NFC Championship game was another one for Minnesota versus Atlanta. And yes, it was the ni- It was in the year of 1999, which was a crappy year in general. But I guess it was the end of the 90s and kind of sad to see the 90s go. Because 2000s weren't as good except Culpepper coming for a couple of years was pretty fun. Oh, God, I don't want to remember that one. Bullcrap. Atlanta and Minnesota go all the way back to 1966. The Falcons actually beat the Vikings 20-13 to 13 in the early days of Sir Francis. And then you got to see uh, I don't even know if Target was on the roster. I think, yeah, yeah, he was. That's when him and his uh, the former Falcon Van Brocklin were not getting along. Loss to the Falcons again, 21-20 to 20 the next year. This was back when we played each other every year, basically. And then you got the AFC-NFC breakup. The AFL-NFL breakup and became conferences, that type of thing. We were NFL champions in 1969. You know that, right? So that means the Vikings won a championship. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. That was like the first year of... uh, Or that was the last year of uh, it being like a conference, basically. Or like baseball. American League, National League. Yeah. So that was not a championship. No. Points scored. 742 Minnesota. Atlanta 5... 27, but the one that that kills me the most is that yeah, should I just say the score? That would be Atlanta 30, Minnesota 27 in overtime. That's all. Uh, Vikings ended the losing streak in 68, 47-7. to 7. Holy crap. This is, of course, footballdatabase.com footballdb.com, basically. Thanks for the, the history of football database. I gotta say that more and more often, so I apologize in, uh, for not signing you enough, but I'll always bring you up. Much as I can. 1969, the uh, conference champions lost to Atlanta, a team that probably should have won the silver bowl, but we didn't. Ten to three. Well, only mustered three points. Maybe we were just kind of tanking in that game, so we didn't get injured. One of those. Twenty-seven to, uh, to uh, thirty-seven to seven in 1970. 1971. Twenty-four to seven, and then the Vikings lose again to the Falcons in '73. Twenty to fourteen. Four wins in a row for the Vikings. 23 to 10, 38 to nothing in 1975, and in 1977, 14 to 7. We played each other a lot back then. 24 to 23, Vikings win in 1980. The Falcons beat the Vikings by one point. Oof. In 1981, the last year of the Met, one of the last games. Oh, but that was in Atlanta, though. 30 to 24 in 83. And I guess, I don't know, what was that game? That was an NFC Wild Card game. NFC wildcard game. So the Vikings beat Atlanta in the playoffs once, and we lost once. We won once and we lost once. We beat them in a Wild Card game, so we got to the second round. Yeah. Yep. That means a whole lot in Vikings history, but I guess it's another playoff win. <sighs> it's always like that, isn't it? You win the you win the ones that aren't as important, and don't win the big, huge, gigantic you know conference championship or Super Bowl games. 1984, the Vikings got one of their three wins against Atlanta. How about that? 14-13 to 13 in 1985. God, did we play each other every bleeping year, it seemed like, or every other year? God, it's a lot. 24-13 in 87 for Minnesota. That was when the Vikings were getting things rolling again. 40-17 to 17 in 1989. Woo! That was uh, after the Bernsey meltdown uh, a couple weeks before that in 1989. 1991, the Vikings beat the Falcons 20-19. Minnesota 23-17. to 17, Finally a break playing Atlanta. A long break there. That was the first time I saw the Vikings play Atlanta personally, because I didn't start watching the Vikings full-time until 92, even though I could have been watching by 87-ish, but I apologize, 86-87. That's when I was, you know, at least getting kind of aware of things a bit. 1999, yeah, 1999. 30-27. Gary Anderson wide well, laughed, and, and uh, Robert Smith went out of bounds, and yeah, you know that bull bull crap. And then, oh yay, we won in the season opener. That meant a whole lot. That meant a whole lot. <sighs> Not Atlanta didn't even make the playoffs that year, and we lost to the Rams in a devastating fashion. Uh, after we beat a mediocre Cowboy team, finally ended that crappy team. <laughs> Everybody hates them. 2003 Vikings beat Atlanta pretty hefty win there and during Culpepper's nice days. Uh, that was when Cullbibber started being, playing a lot better. 2005, 30-10. What the hell was that? That was a really crappy loss. 24-3 to 3 over an awful Atlanta team in 2007. That was when Joey Harrington was the quarterback. And then in 2008, that was the game I attended with my brother. We were just looking at each other like, what the hell is this team doing? Tavares Jackson is just obnoxious to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah, It was literally a checkdown down to Nefago to, Tai uh, like every other play. And Matt Ryan got a pretty pretty uh, favorable call on a goal line dive at the beginning of the game. Vikings ended up losing 24-7 to in that one. Kind of crappy. 24-14 to loss to Atlanta in 2011. Terrible, terrible Viking team. One of 13 losses that year. Teddy Bridgewater, that was when the Vikings' win streak against Atlanta started, because Atlanta started to stink a little bit. At least they did that year. Their defense was bad, and that's when they hired Dan Quinn the next year. And that's when Dan Quinn looked really good and did a good job and got the Falcons to a Super Bowl but ended up losing in one of the greatest, uh, yeah, well, the greatest uh, choke of all time if there is such a thing. 28-3 to 3 <laughs> lead and they still lose the game. But yep, Teddy Bridgewater's debut, it was so much fun. Oh my God, it was fun. And then he hurt his ankle late in the game. That was really sad. But God, I love Teddy Bridgewater. 41-28, to 28, DCF in 14. That was freaking fun. in uh, Zimmer's first year as a head coach at age 58. 2015 Vikings beat the Falcons again on our route to our division championship with Teddy Bridgewater. God, that was cool. And then in 2017, after the Falcons lost the Super Bowl, Vikings win 14-9 in a very gritty game. Still a decent Falcons team, and boy, that was a fun game to watch, though, generally speaking. Case Keenum with some big plays that mattered most. I guess it was a very grinded out game because Atlanta's defense was still good at the time. And then the Falcons' defense just took the gas pipe in 18-19. And And the Vikings end up defeating the Falcons easily last year, 28-12. Four wins in a row. Vikings should beat the Atlanta Falcons coming up. I think clearly the Vikings are the better team. The Falcons' defense gives up points. They just do. Uh, Generally speaking, Dan Quinn, is he going to get fired and then see what happens? One of the, you know, obviously one of the coordinators taking over. Very possible, but they've been hanging on to him ever since. I mean, they they gave him an extension just recently. So it's like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Is Atlanta finally going to move on from Dan Quinn? He did take him to the Super Bowl and all that, but we all know what happened. And it hasn't been good since really. 2017 was a respectable year. This and that. But I think the Vikings win the game. Regardless if you want the Hyde pick or not, I think the Vikings find a way to win, and then Dan Quinn gets fired. So we'll get our second coach fired this season. Unless, of course, I'm wrong, and it's happening right now as I'm talking at 9 a.m. in the morning. Again, segment number three will be tonight. Um, so apologize about the timing. Maybe it'll change, and I'll update you to, uh, in the next segment. <laughs> nice job, though. Teddy Bridgewater, solid, easy game for him, and the Falcons win, or the the Panthers beat the Falcons and jump to three and two. Good for them. Uh, but I think the uh, I think the Vikings win the, win the game. I think you see Josh, Justin Jefferson return to form, have a beautiful game. I am banking on Alexander Madison and Mike Boone being the running backs, and I think they'll do a good job. I think you'll see a century mark again for Madison in the game, and Boone will get something like 40 yards. I do see Justin Jefferson returning to the century mark and getting a touchdown, NM Thielen will get a touchdown Kirk Cousins will have at least two touchdowns to those two guys maybe Irv Smith will finally get a touchdown maybe three touchdowns for Kirk Cousins probably a stupid interception or fumble along the way because that's Kirk Cousins but the Vikings win the game along the likes of because the offense is just, you know, outstanding in Minnesota it just is right now Uh, just not when they need to be in the big moments against good teams, that's all that's all Andrew Samia is probably going to get benched, at least I would hope so. Vikings win. I'm seeing 34-24, something like that. Vikings win. Maybe it'll be 31-17 or something, but I think Dan Quinn gets fired at, after next week when they're 0-6. With that, we'll take a quick break and return for Fan Direction. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction segment, no calls that I know about. Please do call in. Those of you out there, though, that'd be great. We'll tell you how to do that in a little bit. In fact, I might as well mention it right now. It's called an audio submission in the podcasting world. Just use the free voice recording application that's pretty much built into every smart device on the planet. Just open it, hit record, start talking, stop it, save it, and email it to Paladino Live at yahoo.com, Palladino live at yahoo.com, I'll then convert it into an mp3 file, thanks to zamzar.com, always appreciate that website, for providing that service, so, let's jump on to Twitter, this and that, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> obviously a super frustrating finish, to a very entertaining football game, on Twitter, at purple Mafia Show. at purple Mafia Show, Vinrock, Vince Germano, and his 4-1 Cleveland Browns, and world champion, Los Angeles Lakers tying the Boston Celtics. It took, it took how many years? About 70 years, but they caught up to the Celtics, finally. Okay, yeah, since they were Minneapolis, anyway. After the Minneapolis Lakers got their fifth championship, the Boston Celtics went absolutely crazy in the late 50s, all the way up to like the early 70s or so, and, uh, you know, had a couple of wins, a couple championships in the 80s, obviously three, finally got another one in 20, uh, 220, no, it's 2008, and then the, the, Magic and Magic and Kareem's five championships, Shaq, uh well, Shaq and Kobe's three, Kobe and Powell's two, so that's five in Kobe's career. That's 10 with Magic and Kobe, uh from Magic to Kobe era. And now one with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> the uh, championships piling up. Jerry West got one way way back in the good old days, and the very first championship for the Los Angeles Lakers in many 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 years. With uh, without Jerry Buss as the owner. It's Jeannie Buss as the owner. The the, the daughter of Jerry Buss, of course. The great Jerry Buss. Uh, congratulations to the Lakers. Sorry about that. Timberwolves explosion if you want basketball conversation. I haven't recorded one of those in a little while because the Wolves have been out and I was a little disillusioned with things too. I uh, want to thank Vinrock, Vince Germano, and Tony Brown for retweeting the most recent show. Can't thank you guys enough. Tenney Brown out of New Zealand, of course. Big Timberwolves fan and Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Love Tene Brown out of New Zealand. Gerald String out of Nebraska. A first ballot, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Uh yep, episode three uh, three hundred and twenty-three. This is three twenty-four, of course. Thank you guys for retweeting the most recent show. And now Mad Martin, the the man, the myth, the legend of the Twitter for Purple Mafia out of Northern Scotland says, Afternoon, brother. I can just imagine the accent, but yep, love it. This was uh yesterday. Afternoon, brother. Another great podcast. Not staying up for the game tonight. starts at 1 a.m. local. Don't see a win. And to be honest, sleep is a better option. We'll catch Monday night. Oh, and yes, speaking of Monday night. And of course, it'd be Monday night in his world. That's why he was able to... Yeah, that's when he was able to catch up to the game. And hopefully nobody spoiled it for him. Looks like the Saints just won. Yay. So went to OT. And the Saints and Chargers went to OT. it looks like, I guess, the Saints won. But... I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he looks happy. Though I'm seeing the Chargers throw a touchdown pass. Uh, Drew Brees is flexing to five people in the audience. Congratulations. Uh, Obviously, hell of a quarterback. Yeah, well Saints and Chargers would have liked to see the Chargers win, but Saints season's almost on the line at two and two, almost. I'll continue, sorry, I'm babbling like I always do. Mad Martin says going through all those sea chickens games, good historical background. Yes, thank you very much. Even if it's depressing listening to it. Yep. The Atlanta one was much more positive, except there's always there's always that one game that'll stick on your mind for the rest of eternity. 98. Uh, 98 NFC Championship game. Just like 2009 NFC Championship game. All the historical success we've had against the New Orleans Saints. But always the most important game you ever play against the Bleepin' team is the one you lose. Always. It's just always like that. Miami Dolphins, Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, we haven't had much success against the Steelers. The Dolphins, not so good either. Generally speaking, the Dolphins are kind of a thorn in our side. Even though I've always been kind of a closet Dolphins fan. Kind of, sort of, you know. Malcolm McSween out of Cali says, Vikes need another score before halftime. Gotta believe Seattle will get their stuff together at some point. Luckily for us, we got a field goal out of it. Would have been nice if we got a little more, but yeah. Malcolm McSween says, we can all feel the tide turning right now, and oh, it turned. That was that 21-point nasty third quarter. Malcolm had had enough, and he said, game over. Luckily, the Vikings would respond a bit, but it still ended up being game over. So now Mad Martin getting caught up To the game was saying, well, I've reached halftime and I'm stunned. Yep, 13 to nothing. That was amazing. He says, been off social media for like 22 hours. Time for the second half. And yes, that's because Mad Martin did not want the uh, game to be spoiled. It's nice to actually watch it when you don't actually know what happened. And I kept my mouth shut as best I could. Mad Martin says, of course, Cook had to get injured and the sea chicken score. That was immediately after that. Vikings have the ball. After Seattle kind of had some positive vibes there in the second half. Cook gets injured. Next thing you know, Seattle scores right after that. Freaking frustrating. That was literally the tide turning. Looks like, uh, just like uh, Malcolm was saying. Yep. So he says, so I'm, uh, sorry for slapping, snacking my lips again. So I'm six minutes into the second half and normal service has resumed. I was so impressed with the first half on both sides of the ball. They took on one of the best teams in the NFC and should have won. Yep, them being the Vikings, of course. Now, if they can play like, like uh, they did yesterday for the rest of the year, there's plenty to be optimistic about. Absolutely. Just don't lose in heartbreaking fashion on the NFC Championship game. That'd be great. Like, just, if you're going to get there, please win this time. Please, please win this time. Please, please, for the love of God, win the win this time if you get there. Just, just, just listen to Adrian. And I don't mean Adrian Peterson. I mean Adrian and Rocky. Win. That's all. Just win, please. I I can't take much more of this hard break, honestly. So that concludes the Twitter account, and thank you very much. Great thoughts, Mad Martin. Hope to hear from you on the uh, call-in again soon as well, but uh, if it's Twitter, it's Twitter, and you do a fantastic job in both categories. So never a complaint. The only thing I'd complain about is if there's no interaction at all, then then I'd just be sad. I wouldn't be complaining, just sad, but understand if you're busy or you've had enough or whatever the heck... The reason is, I mean, I understand, and uh, God, I uh, love love hearing from you. Absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, so, let's get to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Again, all this information will be in the show description just for convenience and all that. For your convenience, we'll continue where we left off on the Facebook page, Purple Mafia, episode 323. Jefferson is legit, Cousins is not Cousins is not legit. And Jefferson, unfortunately, I, I, I don't know. they He just wasn't involved as much in the game. Don't think it's really his fault as much as the defensive schemes. They probably didn't want to get burned and fried by Jefferson. Probably a little more dangerous than Thielen can be, even though Thielen was very good in the game. But uh, that's just how it goes. You kind of pick your poison. Cook is going to be Cook, and, you know, it is what it is. And Madison was pretty awesome as well. There was a comment and a share. Really appreciate the share. I'm not sure who it was. I think it was Mark. It was either Mark or Gerald. We'll see. I'm not sure. Maybe it was neither one. Gerald's ring says, what a great job and, uh, and enjoyed listening today. As a true Vikings fan, I'm already just looking forward to 2021. Not because of uh, the crappy record or crappy start, because, but because of what you mentioned on the show. Melancholy. Yep. See, it's like you won, but it's like a melancholy win. We beat Seattle. That might have been a little different, but... Um, I don't know. You still don't really know what would have happened. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Um, Let me see. Oh, here's an interesting conversation. Let's keep going. He says, I was trying to think of a word there. You went and nailed it. Yeah, melancholy. No fans in the stands. All the social injustice BS. (laughs) Sorry, but just not feeling it. (laughs) <laughs> they're just not feeling it this season. It just seems very weird and just blah, yuck. And no, I'm not a tank for Trevor guy. He would get killed over here unless he can block for himself. See, that's, that's a good point because how many Cleveland quarterbacks and whatever, you know, and Christian and Ponder here, just their confidence was shattered early, and just like Sam Darnold with the Jets, their, their confidence is just getting shattered because... I mean, there's no protection in front of the guy. And it just is a continuing problem that never seems to end. The Vikings are all happy. We get the third pick in the draft, Matt Khalil, and then he ends up being a bleep and bust. It's just never, you can just never get, you know, never get a break here when it comes to the O-line. Brian O'Neal is kind of has been kind of somewhat of a, uh, <laughs> of a positive thing, but you got kind of lucky, but I don't know. I think the last couple of weeks he hasn't been as good. In fact, generally speaking... I think he was better last year. That's just my honest opinion. So let's attempt to continue where I left off. I try not to babble along too much. Um. Yep. Just basically about what's going on. He would get killed on he block for himself. Stop opposing teams' receivers and stop the opposing teams' run game. I don't believe that would even work. Okay. Enough of the pessimism. Can we have some light at the end of this tunnel? Well, yes, we can. Twenty twenty-one outlook. Hunters back to hundred percent. Michael Pierce survives COVID, yes, yeah, Michael Pierce, let's not forget about that one, that's a big one, Harry, has a couple Pro Bowl type years left in the tank, and I believe still uh, corners will get a little better, I think so, Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, seriously dude, that's a triple threat, that's a triple threat treat for uh, the Viking fans, it would be fun, if we go another year without fans in the stands, sorry Joey, don't think I could take it anymore, you would have to do, yeah. Uh, you would have to do a bowling mafia. That would be fun, though, to do a bowl. Well, to bowl anyway. Bowling is fun. Uh, I guess that's not happening. Joey, take care and thanks. Well, maybe I do uh, <laughs> either either just have a, more heavily focusing on Brave the Wild. That show seems to be moving up a bit per se uh, because of the you know writing about hockey and such. Or uh, what's the other thing? Um, the political show, but not everybody would like it necessarily. I think Gerald would. Yep, uh, freedom freedom of thought. I still haven't gotten around to it. Oh yeah, but that's what happens when I'm working like nonstop. Uh, ranking the NFL's best running back tandems. Where do the Vikings, Saints, and Ravens land? Well, the Vikings rank number one. Isn't that cool? Number freaking one. I'm gonna click on it right now, just for a moment, just to kind of throw out the uh, outline here. It's uh, ESPN.com. That's where it's coming from. Mike Clay, just to give him the uh, the site there. Uh, he's as he deserves. Nice nice read. Absolutely nice read. Uh, Minnesota Vikings Cook and Alexander, number one. And they certainly look like a number one running back tandem in the league. Unfortunately, it's ESPN Plus, I believe. So, But it is what it is. It's not expensive. ESPN Plus is actually quite cheap. But uh, Vikings, number one. That's pretty cool. Oh, boy, let's move back over here. The comments. Where are the comments? Mark Carlson, out of Iowa. He says, that is respect. And rightfully so. Still not Thunder and Lightning because I think both of these backs are lacking a guaranteed two-yard punch or even a one-yard push when it's four and one or something. Yeah, boy, don't remind me about that one. And of course, that fourth and one hadn't happened yet, but uh, fourth and inches. Fourth and inches. Yeah, that fourth and inches. Just makes me mad. What the hell? I thought the... Okay, I'm so confused right now. This must be a replay or something gotta be right yeah it is it's a replay boo i hate the saints but yeah the saints won sorry sorry about that mark he says it's okay both of these players are like lightning in their own glad we have them madison maybe is a little bit more powerful one but then again cook's pretty powerful too uh uh, i would say the fastest one is definitely cook it's kind of like comparing two different type of hockey players like your top line guy, boy, he's just can skate circles around everybody. And then there's the third line guy who's super duper good. He can score, he can do this and that, but he can't skate around but he can't skate circles around everybody. That's kind of the difference. See, see I got hockey on the mind again, Mark. I got hockey on the mind. Delvin Cook would be like a top line center, and uh, Alexander Madison would be a really, really, really good uh third line center. That type of thing. Kind of a uh, uh, a gritty guy who's actually like still very skilled. Gerald String, Nebraska, says, yep, for as crappy as our season has been, that is fun to watch, yep, Madison could start for a lot of teams, I think, so cool that we have a lot of uh, a lot of the NFL's top tandems, when healthy, safeties, running backs, defensive ends, yep, yeah, oh man, Hunter and Ngakwe, Whew. Uh, and of course, wide receivers, yep, and he says, maybe wide receivers, but it's too early to say, but uh Justin Jefferson looks so promising so far and couldn't agree more with that one. That's the thing. Imagine Hunter and Gawkway, uh, and Then you add Pierce in the middle. And then again, Justin Jefferson's a year better. Thielen hopefully is not too much of a year older. Uh, maybe Earth Smith is a little bit further along this and that, you still got Cook and Madison, man, oh man, oh man, I mean, it's a lot of talent, a lot of talent, and of course, again, the two safeties, we'll see what happens with uh, Anthony Harris long-term, we'll look in the endgame thread, bits and pieces here and there, very emotional day, again, all comments are necessary and, and relevant in my mind, David, you were saying, all I'm going to say is Dan Bailey better not miss this kick, and that was, again, at the time there, uh, he says, of course, Zimmer makes the wrong decision again and goes for it and allows, and allows Wilson time. Now 15 seconds left and we're going to lose. And unfortunately, yeah, we did. <laughs> we literally fumbled on the next play. Epic failure, says Gerald Strang. Well, yep, it was an ecu- uh, epic failure, all right. Dave Vicky says, you tear it up, Alexander Madison. Now we're trailing. I knew it. Yep, that was all that back and forth. Yep, Dave <laughs> Hickey says, see, I knew it. We are bleeped, he said the actual word. Ah, uh, yep, Gerald. What a does says. What a dumb decision. Oh, fourth and ten, and they got it. Says Brett McCarthy. Yep, that was that thirty-nine yard gain to Metcalf. God, wasn't that just the most d- disgusting thing ever? That's what made me so frustrating, <clears throat> and that's why McCarthy says I hate these games. Yeah, I hate them too because it's like <coughs> three downs, three downs in a row. You know, there's just nothing. They get absolutely nothing, and then magically fourth down, magically. Oh, the completion of the century! What a hero! Wow, what a what a legend! Uh, get out of town with this garbage. How about it doesn't get to fourth down and you just complete the pass? That's the one thing. It's just I hate some of that. I I hate all this miracle crap. Uh, you know, it, I love miracles and all that. It's so beautiful, but not when it's against you. And it's the same BS, same old BS where it just reeks of like you know, throwing up a prayer. Obviously, it was accurate. Obviously, it's a great play, but it's still annoying as hell. It just feels like some kind of, I don't know, it just reeks of luck to me sometimes. But maybe, maybe some people just are more lucky than others. Uh, Mike, how would you say it? Dale, Dale, Mike Dale says, uh, So far, so good. Completely gobsmacked Smith and Harris playing deep to support the young corners, uh-huh, forcing coverage sacks, who are these guys, and where were they the first four weeks, yeah, what a great defensive game, by the way, I mean, it wasn't even close, was it, was it, Mike, it wasn't even close, when you talk about this Vikings defense, for the first four games until today, or until yesterday, pardon me now, unfortunately, um, it's, it's unbelievable, Mike Dale's uh, He studied at Hofstra University, so he must be from uh, New York State somewhere. Very cool. Nice to hear from you, Mike. I believe there's a little more conversation here. So, yep, I I wanted to get to his comment because it's really good. He says, offense actually running the ball, moving the chains, and controlling the clock. Yep, keeping the defense fresh and off the field. Kubiak playing it to perfection so far. Bailey, two for two, including a 50-yarder. Yep, he had a 52-yarder. That was awesome. It's too good to be true. Thinking... (laughs) <laughs> yeah too good to be true huh yeah thinking that they can keep this up for another half it's like yep they kind of did and kind of did it's nice how they responded after they got smacked in the mouth about three times by uh seattle but then still found a way to lose it oh I, I, heart breaking up yep, mike dill says and now we continue with a regular regularly scheduled programming yeah mike dill's gonna get a star um, I don't know how many times he's commented on this page. I think this is the first time uh I think this is the first time he has and he's coming in with a bang. I really, really love it. Really love hearing from uh what you have to say. Leland says smooth like butter opening drive. Wasn't that something, Leland? Uh good evening, fellas. Been a crazy football day. Yep, that was at the end and it really was. Watching the Dolphins blow out the Niners and this and that and I don't know. It sucks seeing the Saints win, but I don't know. I guess some people just love the Saints. Yep. Mm. Yeah, Gerald Strickland was saying, Who kidnapped my bad 2020 Vikings team? Their replacements out there are slapping the sea chickens around. What's up with that? That was fun, wasn't it? Mike Dale says, How flowers didn't get ejected there. Yeah, the helmet-to-helmet uh, smack uh It was Irv Smith, right? That was uh, that was bullcrap. And I was very happy that uh, at least we got a 15-yard penalty out of it. But it was a bullcrap uh, move, that type of thing. I mean, hey, they ejected Smith, Harrison Smith, last week, and they don't eject Mr. Flowers, I guess. So let's get to the uh, the postgame thread. 19 comments, a lot more than eight or so, which has kind of been common lately because it's been just, you know, like I said, a melancholy type of year. Mark Carlson. These are going to be some uh, emotional posts, i got to believe. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, To win or to lose? That was the question. I hope Zimmer has a stomach ache." <laughs> <laughs> I've seen more positives from the team and individual players in this game. Yep. It really gave me hope and confidence that we were starting to gel and learn to play as a team until the coaching staff blew it. So how do you fix that? This game could have had a thousand positive outcomes with the win, but now I don't think so. Yep. Just the way it ended. Yeah. And I'm not as upset about the play call as others are the decision to go for it per se. Because, like I said in the earlier segments, didn't I mean you just know they would have marched down the field and magically got the two point conversion and all that crap. They would have maybe I'm wrong, but we all know how it is. It doesn't matter if it's the Packers, the Patriots, whatever. If it wasn't for Malcolm Butler, they would have they would have had a couple of miracle completions that led to a back to back Super Bowl wins, which would have really deeply upset me, not just because I wanted the Patriots to win that game, which I did which I did because I was a huge giant fan, Patriots fan with, with Brady. I still like them, of course, but it's just, you know, nothing's the same when Brady's gone. Just like Montana leaving San Francisco, it's just one of those kind of things. Even though it was Austin watching Steve Young and so on and so forth, still would like to see the 49ers do well as long as they're not playing us. You know, you just have a positive history with certain things because of that. It's fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there's always they're always going to have the miracle plays against no matter who it is. If it's Rodgers, Packers, if it's the Vikings, if it's the Patriots. It's oh, it's annoying to watch sometimes. Or the Broncos. They just tore them to pieces. Yankee out of Brooklyn Center says, Heartbreaking. A quarterback sneak with the whole line to push would have been a better option. I agree with that. See, it's like the decision to sweep to the right Even that wasn't necessarily the dumbest part. It's just the decision by Madison, too. Why didn't he lean forward rather than just trying to get cute and go uh, east-west? Same thing with the play before that, the reverse to uh, Adam Thielen. Why not be more north-south than east-west? We were were much more successful going up the gut, yet instead we're trying to get cute and, and paint the edges. That's just dumb, isn't it? So, yep, I can understand some frustration there. I was saying the whole line pushing would have been a better option, generally speaking. Absolutely, Yankee. Uh, he says, but why not? Why not be the usual Mike and just kick it for a safe, a safe edge? Yep. Well, I mean, I, I think they they knew how, how. It's just Mr. Magic Miracle Man over there. He's gonna hurl the ball up, and the guy is gonna be open enough to catch it. Metcalf or whoever the heck else, but probably Metcalf. And, I don't know. Obviously, Metcalf is an incredibly good receiver as well. It's just a combination of things. It's a perfect marriage, and it just blends miracles, I guess. Dave Hickey out of Iowa. Thank you very much, uh, Yankee, for that. That was great. Dave Hickey, Iowa, says this coaching staff never seems to make halftime adjustments, whether they're up or down. And coaching miscues have cost the Vikings several victories late in games. When are they going to realize Drew Samia sucks? And, they give it, uh, yeah, Ola Udo, yeah, uh, Ola Udo a chance. However, however, you spell his name? Yeah, I believe uh, it's U. Oh boy, Ola, Ola, Ola Udo. Yeah, it's U H, U-H, or no U D O H, if I remember correctly. I'm not looking at the roster right now. I apologize. Yeah, actually, I agree with that. But isn't he a tackle? Um, I think he's a tackle though, isn't he? So he'd be on the edge. Otherwise, the talk. That would make a lot of sense as well. Would be obviously Samaya goes to the bench, and maybe you know if you can't bring Elfline back, Ezra Cleveland. Let's go. Is is Ezra Cleveland that bad with your second round pick as a as a left guard, and then move uh, Dozier back to uh, move Dozier over to right guard, which I do believe he played a little bit last season. And Samia obviously Drew Samia is not going to work out, unfortunately. Most likely he's just like a, he's T.J. Clemmings as a guard basically, and Gerald String was it like a year and a half ago? Had the best uh, short liner ever. Did I mention we need some guards? And we still do, don't we, Gerald? I, I could imagine Gerald saying that right now. I could imagine him saying that on his next call-in. And Gerald, next time you call in, say that again. Say it again, please, Gerald. Yep, say it again. <laughs> Did I mention we need some guards? So next time you call in, please throw that in there because I might want to save that as a soundbite because I, I don't know what I did with that call, and I should have like copied and saved that part, if you don't mind, because that would be an awesome soundbite. <laughs> I mentioned we need some guards. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I might be throwing that in every damn episode, the way things are going. Mark Carlson says, I've seen this team lose games. They were winning so many times, and in, in a few variable ways, like missing a kick, but yeah, oh, oh yeah, well, how many times, right? But this... Not even attempting a kick. Isn't that the darnest thing? It's it, it's a new... It's, it's just a new one. It's a new way to lose. As uh, Michael Russo said of uh, Paul Fenton when really he got fired, death by a thousand cuts. And you know what? How about this? Well, now that I'm interrupting your comment again, because I'm a jackass. Um, <laughs> if Mike Zimmer gets fired at some point, and see, it wouldn't be for me because of that going for it on 4th and 1, where some of you might say, fire Mike, right there. It would be death by a thousand cuts. It's all, it's it's a, it's a many things. It's the lack of adjustments, uh, clock management, throwing the challenge leg in inopportune times, uh, stubbornness, this and that, maybe just too one-dimensional, uh, this and that. It would be death by a thousand cuts if you were to fire Mike Zimmer, if I was the owner or general manager and I was, I had made my mind up to fire Mike Zimmer. It's death by a thousand cuts. It wouldn't be a smoking gun event at the end of the day. I don't think there's a smoking gun event with Zimmer unless he literally has a volcanic eruption at me and tells me to STFU or something when I have some kind of suggestion. Then that's probably like, I think I, then my response would probably be something along the lines of, I think I have a better idea, dude. (laughs) And that would mean uh, you're fired. Yeah. (laughs) Mike Zimmer, you're fired. Okay, yes, I have that sound bite, but I won't put it in on this show on, on this particular episode. Um, this is a new way to lose. Yep, this is a new way to lose. So what next? So dissatisfied with the Zim. What the heck? Yeah, people are trying. Okay, uh, Gerald String says, what can you say players played their butts off? Not just because of this game, but at what point do we wonder how long before it's time for coaching change? It seems like the same old mediocre team that Zimmer has always had. When was the last time we were truly relevant? It's been quite a while, and I seriously have seen about enough. I believe it's time to hit the reboot and move on. I'm pretty well convinced this management and coaching staff will never bring home a championship. I don't think they will either. Honestly, I, I don't think so either. Ah, yep, he got a number of likes for that one. I don't think so either. And yeah, it sucks saying it, but I don't think so. Uh, <clears throat> Jesse Ball says, I am done with Zimmer. He took three points off the board by not taking the field goal. Typical Vikings. Sad. Trey Buckholz, with the Devil, Devil's Advocate response, says, And that was the right call. Any coach would have done it. Statistically, it was way better than three points. I, I agree, because the Vikings' running game was working. I agree, Trey and I'm I'm not trying to take sides and fight with anybody I have no desire to fight with anybody I just love hearing from every one of you and uh, Jesse's a great football mind and so is Trey quite frankly but that's part of what we're here for sometimes sometimes you have a difference of opinion two coaches on the same staff are going to have a different opinion on things at times I I agree I think it was just the, the execution of it was just ridiculous it was stupid it was just flat out stupid The right side was a huge problem, so you go to the right side. That's the stupid part. Go down. Go forward. Just go forward. That's all you had to do. The object is to go forward. You're not Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders might get away with that kind of thing. Not not Madison. Not Kirk Cousins. Just go freaking forward. Not Adam Thielen either. Thielen's not that elusive. He's fast, and he's got unbelievably great hands, and he's athletic and everything, but he's not elusive. You have to have elusiveness. The guy that I feel comfortable moving to the sides is Delvin Cook, and that's it, because he's got that Gale Sayers, uh, Walter Payton type of footwork that very, very few running backs in the history of the football or the history of the NFL have. Jesse Ball says right, except all the Seahawks had to do was score a touchdown to win, which they did, with three points. There, Seattle has to get a touchdown and two points to tie. Your assertion of any coach is incorrect. Zimmer is a bonehead. Well, I mean, it's I, I, I can see that argument as well because eight points is hard. I just got the vibe that frickin', they'd, they'd freaking do it. But, yeah, still, you never know. Maybe we do win it in overtime anyway. So, point, point well taken, Jesse. Like I'm saying, I'm not really a, having a major disagreement with anybody. I just think it was a poor execution. I think, heck, what if, I don't know. It's like, you know, and then what if uh, what if Dan Bailey misses? I know there's that. I don't think Bailey would have missed that one. He seemed like he was on, and he wasn't that far out either. He really wasn't. He wasn't that far out, so that's just kind of what it is. Ah, It is what it is. Uh, Leland Albertson, Leland out of Iowa, says relying on the young defense to win the game. It's a game of inches. I get that too. Well, I mean, and you would have had to rely on them with the kick as well. That's the thing. Either way, But, I mean, it it was just one of those stupid situations. If they could have just got the bleeping first down rather than getting too cute with the Adam Thielen play, maybe we wouldn't have been in this argument and this frustration in the first place. The Vikings should have won the game, which is saying a lot. It shows how talented the offense is. Just imagine if we had a quarterback that was just, you know, not Kirk Cousins and was a little bit stronger against pass rush and all that kind of, you know, could sense it and all that coming through the pressure. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi and fellow Purple Mafia Hall of Famer says, I really had no problem with the play call. Yeah, me neither. But why didn't, there There it is, why didn't we run left? We were gashing Seattle running left. Why was Zimmer chasing points in the third quarter? Zimmer blew this game and he needs to apologize to the whole damn team. Yeah, see, it's not, uh, it's not the going for it that was the mistake. It was the, uh, the, the uh, direction of the play. Yeah, like I was saying, why are you going right? That was that was the problem. Drew Samia, it's you know it, it's Drew Samia, and then even again, like I've been saying, Brian O'Neill has probably so far he's had some of his weakest games as as uh, as the right tackle of the Vikings in his career this season. He's not been as good this year either. I mean, that's just my belief. He's not been as good. I think Riley reef has been very solid since, unfortunately, taking the pay cut and Dozier's what he is, like basically backup level you know backup borderline starter kind of level nothing so great at the end of the day so let's keep moving see if i can figure out where the heck we are yep it was uh cedric Pauling. eric mostard out of south dakota says by the way eric milson uh eric wilson was fantastic yeah both wilson's were he really was the linebacker and that uh, triggers something right here eric right here i'd rather have eric wilson than anthony Barr at this point especially financially uh, Anthony Barr needs to be cut at the end of the season. Anthony Barr needs to be cut at the end of the season. Is that a hot take? Some of you might think, well duh, well, others uh, others might go, Oh my god, I don't know if it's 75-20, 50, 50, you get the idea. Cut Anthony Barr. It's time to go. Anthony Barr needs to go. He's underachieved his entire career. Anthony Barr has underachieved his entire career. I'm 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 done with Anthony Barr. Uh done. Uh, Maybe his first two seasons he looked like he had star potential, especially his very, very first season. Ever since then, I just, I don't know. I think he's overrated. I think Zimmer's too close to him. It's like Chuck Fletcher with the Wild with Charlie Coyle. Oh, you can't trade Charlie Coyle. Get him out. Get Charlie Coyle out of here. You could never count on the guy. Never. Anthony Barr, you can't count on him. Time to go. And he's, what is he making? The second most uh, behind Kirk schmucking cousins. Yeah. Yeah, That's too much. Time to go. Time to go. Time to go, Anthony. Let's free up some space. I'd rather have uh, Anthony Harris than Anthony Barr, honestly. I'd rather have Anthony Harris at his current uh, uh, price than Anthony Bleep and Barr. And then Eric Wilson, there you go. Give him some kind of raise that doesn't have to be a bajillion dollars, but a, a decent raise that he would probably jump to the offer. It just is what it is. Anthony Barr's not that good. He's not. He's never, you know... You, we expect. I mean, you'd like to believe he's going to be this pass rusher, and it just never happens. Either it's terrible coaching schemes, or he just isn't that good at it. I don't know, but I, I've thought he's underachieved forever. Mark Carlson says, I had questions about him tonight. They were answered. Yeah. Eric Mustard says, yeah, wow, he came out of nowhere for me. I like uh, Eric Wilson, and I've always kind of liked him, but he he had a big game, big game. Dave Hickey says, hell of an ever by, uh, by Alexander Madison, pardon me. <clears throat> He's got to be my Fran recommendation, and he got it. He got it. Ponder goes to Zimmer for his failure to take the field goal and go by eight late in the game. Yep, yep. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, he got, a, he got a Fran along with Kendricks. I probably should have said Wilson instead of Kendricks, but Kendricks just so freaking good, too. That guy is the best, man. I just love that guy. Eric Mostert says, Guess the refs were the 12th man at the end of the game tonight. Still, sparks of hope, but damn it, I would have kicked that field goal. Uh, yep. Leland says they did play their hearts out, but it's heartbreaking. Again, end of the game on a cousin's fumble or interception, giving up 21 points in less than two minutes. Yeah, really. It's bad, man. It was bad. Dave Viggy says biggest closing blunder of the Zimmer era, and he's had a lot over the years with timeouts and reviews. Yep, is in the challenges. And now, not taking the eight-point lead with time running out on the Sea Chickens, no Seahawks. Second biggest mistake: not drafting Russell Wilson, or maybe Mahomey, Mahoney, like Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine either one of those guys? But uh, Russell Wilson was not available in the Zimmer era. No, uh, Russell Wilson. That was uh, that was in the Fraser era. Yeah, but he put Mahomes for uh, correction. Yeah, Mahoney, <laughs> Mahoney. That's okay. Though no, we know who you meant. Like Mike Mahoney, the CEO of the Boston uh, Boston Scientific? No. There he is, Mike Dale. Yep, here he comes. Pros, Eric Wilson, Alexander Madison, Thielen. Though he fell short on the first down on the last drive. Yeah, that was really frustrating. The the reverse. cons me. yep. As useless as binoculars gifted to Stevie Wonder. Oh, hoo-hoo. I'd gladly pay for his and Holton Hill's Uber trip to the airport. I would, too. Uh, I don't really want to see either one of them play for us anymore, either. Throughout the past seasons, time and time again, unless everything is working in their favor, the Vikings are so very mentally vulnerable, God yes, and immediately go into a shell on both sides of the ball. The uh, the moment the momentum swings against them, uh, case in point, Cousins fumbles, which was kind of questionable. However, the defense immediately forgets how to tackle. Even Harry can't bring down a guy that runs directly into him. That said, uncharacteristically kudos to the offense for mounting the comeback and nearly putting the game out of reach. They temporarily bucked the trend and immediately responded after going down. However the bottom line, the players rarely have the confidence and mental fortitude to see the game out. Overall, pleased with the effort, but they simply do not have enough game winners. That's a good one on the team. Sorry, I'm distracted seeing something in the background here. Uh, That will make the big play when it matters most. But then again, that's par for the course with this franchise, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Just like you could beat the crap out of a team like 10 out of 10 times. Or, you know, okay, let's say, yeah, like, uh, like say Atlanta or something. You're what, 20 and 11 against them historically, but you never beat them. But the biggest game of all, of course you lost that one. The Saints. Perfect against the Saints in the postseason, except... Except the NFC Championship game. Yeah, the biggest game you could ever play against the Saints. Because you're not going to play them in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? By the way, tanking for Trevor or Fields isn't an option. It's a foregone conclusion that will end the season with a losing record, no doubts. However, there are far too many teams that are much, much worse than the Vikings, like the Jets, right? And the Giants, for that to happen. The secondary got torched again by a fantastic quarterback and a decent receiving core tonight. But I believe they will be come. More salvageable as the season progresses. I think so, too. We're bad, but not bad enough to uh, to draft our premier ranked quarterback out of this year's draft class. Sad to say, but I fear that's where we stand. That's really good. Uh, well said. Well said. Really, really, really well said. Very, very uh, heartfelt, you can tell there. Mike Dale, you are... Uh, <laughs> yep, you can. Yep, I can get the vibe where we're heading there in a couple seconds. Um, that was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And it it is what it is. I mean, we need more winners here. It just seems like it's always like this. We always choke when when it's the big moment, if it's a playoff game, this and that, or just a big moment on the road in a game that would change the whole damn season if we actually won. But of course, we didn't. Mike Dale, gold star for this episode. <laughs> yeah, you could just just you could just see that coming. It was uh, it was just a matter of time. Mike Dale is the gold star winner for this episode. Silver star, who boy. Mm, Where do we go here? Silver Star. Silver Star. Silver Star. Silver Star. Silver Star is going to go to... Oh, man. Where do we go? Silver Star. Good Lord. Mm, 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 mm. It's tough. It's so tough. Oh, man. Uh... Silver star is going to go to Dave Hickey. Great, 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 great comments back and forth. He's going to share it with Mark Carlson. Gerald String and Yankee will ring in the bronze. Gerald String and Yankee with that awesome. Only one comment from Yankee, but it was really good. Uh, Really good. So bronze star for Yankee and Gerald String. Dave Hickey and Mark Carlson ring in the silver. The gold star is going to one man and one man only. Mike Dale. What an amazing, amazing effort. Great, 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 great. And uh, thank you for the comments on Twitter. Dave Martin. Tennay and uh, Malcolm McSween. Just love hearing from you so much. So thank you again. Always. That should be pretty much be a wrap. Hopefully the Vikings can get things going. Or I don't know. I can totally feel that though. That we're probably not going to get a premier draft pick. We're going to wind up six and ten, five and eleven, seven and nine. It just is what it is. It just is what it is. It's the way it's going to go. We're very unlikely going to fall off the face of the earth. The Atlanta Braves beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. Could you imagine the Atlanta Braves in the World Series again? But I guess we saw them in the World Series like 15 times in the 90s and 2000s. But yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, and they lost all of them except 95. They lost all of them. They were like the Buffalo Bills and Vikings. They'd have these great seasons, but now bring home a championship. But unlike the Bills and Vikings, they did win one in 95. So I should shut my mouth. But then again, they played the Cleveland Uh, Indians in that series, so that's the team that's even more depressing when it comes to not bringing home a championship. Yeah, but even they have a championship in 1948, so uh, that's just the way that goes as well. Sometimes it's just how it goes. Sometimes that's how it goes. Um, With that said, hope you have a nice week. We'll be back sooner than later to talk about the Atlanta Falcons, this and that, and hopefully that goes well. Dan Quinn was fired. That was the other thing I didn't mention. Dan Quinn was fired. So now it's... uh, Raheem. Raheem has taken over. I believe he coached the uh, Bucks for a short time as well, not too long ago. Uh, Defensive-minded coach, so we'll see what happens. I believe he's a secondary coach. That's where he started, like Mike Zimmer, that kind of thing. So he's taking over the Falcons. It's not Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn did get fired, actually, which is kind of funny. It was only a matter of time. So that's how things are at this stage. Uh, With that said, Everyone, take care. Please write a positive rating on iTunes if you could. It would be greatly appreciated. I did mention how to get on the air with your voicemails as well at the beginning of the segment. Uh, Pretty simple stuff. Again, just uh, send your file to paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. Again, please write a positive rating on iTunes if you could. It would be greatly appreciated. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.